1: Hi, Michelle Martin. Hey, what do you need to know about investing in property in the UK from Singapore? How do you start? How much money do you really need to get started? And we know that mantra, right, when it comes to property, location, location, location. It's pretty much top of mind for any property investor. So are there some good locations in the UK worth considering? Let's meet Daniel Sim of Born Poor Die Rich. That's a property investment consultancy. Daniel, welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Michelle. Thank you. Lovely to be here and thanks for having me.
1: Great to speak with you now. Is it true you think it's a good idea not to buy property in Singapore and instead look to the UK for property? Why is that?
0: <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, I think, you know, firstly, don't get me wrong. I love living in Singapore. I think if it's, if it's for your own home, then by all means, you know, look for property in Singapore. But when it comes to investing, sort of Singaporeans, myself included, initially we, my wife and I we were looking to maybe buy another condo here, it out and, and income, mm. but actually that that's, that's not really what's going to happen because a lot of times the rent can hardly cover even the mortgage and other outgoing expenses. So actually, you know, you're going to be with negative cash flow every month, and essentially, is a loss-making, you know, investment every month.
1: All right, and I guess the flip side to that is, Daniel, why should we consider investing in property in the UK? It's a big world, and your property investment consultancy looks at. At numerous other jurisdictions, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, we do, um, in terms of researching properties, mm-hmm. we look across uh, whatever we, we use to apply in terms of analyzing properties, analy- an, analyzing markets, you can use that for any jurisdiction in the world. However, you found that the UK works very well, especially if your investment goal is for passive income. Because, I mean, for a few reasons, one, I think my, one of my investments I, I first um, did You know, more than 10 years ago was in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And when I got the contacts in Bahasa, I was like, okay, I need to translate this. So I think the ease of business in the UK, you know, things are in English, um, but the legal system, you know, in Singapore is actually modeled after the UK. So these are some fundamental reasons. But I think the biggest reason is that up to 30 to 40% of people in the UK actually rent properties rather than buy. So I think just the, the understanding that markets are actually Quite inherently different. A lot of times, as Singaporeans, we look through Singaporean in the, uh, property market lenses and we think that, you know, majority, 90% of people, you know, live in HDBs, we all own our properties. But in a place like in the UK where a, a, a large number of people rent mm. and actually the number is going up over the years, then it's actually a great place to be a landlord.
1: That is very interesting. Okay, let's put on our investigative hat, head over to the UK landscape. Now, what type of properties does your consultancy, born poor, die rich, interesting name, by the way, what kind of properties um, do you help investors consider? There was a time where everybody was talking about student accommodation, for example, right in the UK?
0: Mm, that's right. I mean, for us, we provide more of an education. We, we don't really sell, we don't sell properties to people. Mm-hmm. However, you know, a lot of amateur investors, they jump into properties, you know, either at, uh, you know, they go to hotels, they look at new builds, either in London, Canary Wharf. Yep. Or I, I think interestingly, in, in recent months, for example, in Manchester or Liverpool, big city centres. Um, however, we find, you know, like like you mentioned, Michelle, at the start, a lot of people think location, 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 mm-hmm. and it jumps straight into the city center. However, these properties, in our opinion, are the ones that you know are not going to give you the most bang for your buck in terms of rental income, in terms of yields, because they they are often you know priced way more than surrounding properties in the area.
1: That's a very interesting insight. Do you think COVID has changed that, though, that we're seeing more people want to live closer to their place of work and so move closer to central London, for example?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question, Michelle. Actually, the converse is true. What we we are seeing is actually with people being able to work from home, with more hybrid working arrangements, with the same amount of money that they could buy a property or they could rent, people are actually shifting away, further away from the city centres because the same amount of budget could then perhaps get them a bigger place, a place with a garden. And there's this thing called the race for space. In fact, we're seeing that in Singapore as well, mm. where you know, people want slightly bigger properties because when you're on calls, you want your kids to show up. You know. And <laughs> everybody just needs their own corner of the, the house to do some work.
1: Okay, so one of the tips that you mentioned that came our way was consider getting properties for that ordinary people look at, and that would be in regular neighbourhoods. Uh, where would those neighbourhoods be?
0: yeah that's a great question. So I would say you know for a start, a lot of people um think of investing in the u k they think London and they think zone one and two. However, these properties there are very expensive um I mean by Singapore standards, it's not expensive. people think, ah oh, it's very cheap you know that that sounds good, but it's expensive when it may come to doing what I call a cash flow litmus test mm. where you simply look at your rent minus your mortgage and ask yourself, does that even stack up is that possible? And if it's not, it's, it's close to breaking even and it's not going to be very much margin. So, uh, you know, for, for us, what, what we often uh, tell our clients to look at is to look at places maybe further up north um, where and it's not, you know, in the middle of uh, nowhere or in the jungle, but still in places where there's good um, enterprise, you know, big cities, but not necessarily smack in the city centre. Because coming back to the idea of ordinary properties for ordinary people, I think most Singaporeans don't live, you know, smack in the CBD, but are happy to commute maybe 20 or 30 minutes or perhaps even more to the place of work. So that kind of gives us a radius of where we think, um, you know, people would then live and be willing to travel in for work. But more importantly, I think it's just that mindset. People think location, 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 they buy, you know, Brand new apartments in city centres. and An example of that in Singapore would be maybe the sale in Marina. I mean, these are all fantastic uh, properties, amazing views. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to rentals, you know, the, the man on the street is very unlikely to rent properties like this. And as a result of that, you know, your tenant pool actually shrinks and the chances of having more voids goes up. So as a landlord, you know, your, your risk is actually higher because your tenant pool is perhaps limited more to expats or those with a bigger budget.
1: Good point. Now, I understand that your most recent project was taking two blocks of offices and converting those offices into a 12-bedroom apartment and that generated an income stream, gross rental income, 8000 Singapore dollars per month. So I'm mm. wondering, what is it that you share born poor, die rich. Do you share investment strategies to do with um, converting properties, industrial properties, um, residential properties? What exactly do you provide?
0: Right. I mean, we we cover a few different strategies, but mainly focusing more on the residential market. Because, I mean, just looking at Say Maslow hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, regardless of what happens, be it COVID, you know, be it if there's a war that's ongoing, ultimately people need a roof over their heads. And you know, to us, we believe residential properties have the most number of exit options. You know, if you if you want to buy or you want to sell it, you want to rent it, there's the most number of people that that are looking to um, buy or rent from you. for us at Born for Die Rich, you mentioned it's an interesting name. It's not an idea of dying rich, you know, hugging all the, the lots of dollars or your assets. <laughs> but, but rather, you know, it invites a deeper question into, you know, what is really living a life of purpose, a rich life look like for us? And a lot of times, you know, money, properties, passive income, these are all great, but it's a means to an end. So, you know, the clients we work with, we also coach them to then think, um, what is really important to you? And a lot of times it comes down to them sharing about having more time freedom, maybe not working so late at night, mm. more time with kids or elderly parents, for example, or being able to... A lot of people want to travel now.
1: And <laughs> how did that focus on you know what life means and what money means to you? How did mm. that... Uh, impact your own career trajectory so you spent 10 years in the public sector you served as assistant director at the public service division for the prime minister's office now that's a name card people aspire to and they want to give out and 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 then and then you made a switch why is that
0: yeah i mean um i I love the work that i did there in, in the public service but, you know, I think it's, it's not just unique to the public service, but even with working from home, a lot of pe- uh, people that I've been talking to have been working longer hours. And, you know, I, I have two children, <laughs> uh, eight and five. Mm. And I think some years back, I realised, and I looked at my bosses and I, I started to think, do I really want to be in their shoes? You know, <laughs> and this seems to get more and more and the responsibilities as well. But, uh, you know, we only have one life. People say YOLO and YOLO is like kind of, don't care about anything. But for me, I feel like if you only have one life, then you've got to get it right. You make the right decisions. And I think for me coming from a family background that, you know, uh, a humble, uh, a big thing I was then thinking about is how can I make my money work harder for than just me working harder, trading my time, my health for money. And I think building passive income on the side allowed me to have more choice. In terms of maybe uh, taking a step back from work, um, you know, not not having to put in so many hours, but the that I buy, you know, I, it would then generate me passive income. Even if it's you know three, four, five hundred sing dollars a month, hey, at least it pays for the bills, it pays for petrol, and you know that's how you know build that portfolio over time to be able to cover some basic expenses. And that's what we actually uh, you know teach people to do as well with um, their their hard-earned monies instead of trying to speculate in different investment vehicles, Mm -hmm. to put it in a safe and stable asset that then generates them income.
1: Nothing like real assets. But slow to, you know, one of the hardest assets to liquefy as well. We'll get your thoughts on that, Daniel. Daniel Sim is founder of Born Poor Die Rich. How did he put a portfolio together of over 50 units across 15 properties in eight years that generate a passive income for Daniel every month? Daniel has promised what's in your portfolio.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think over time, we've built our portfolio. We focus a lot you know, on different strategies that we, you have asked earlier as well. So I think one of the strategies is a buy-to-let, where it's simply you know, buying a flat or a small terrace house and letting it out to families, working professionals. So we do have some of that in the, the portfolio. And it may not generate the most you know, exciting returns, But we find these properties to be really stable. You know, tenants tend to stay for longer because, you know, families don't move every few months. So that we we do have a few of those. Uh, Another strategy I'm really passionate about is in what's called social housing, Hmm. where we actually provide homes for vulnerable tenants, maybe single mothers. And these are actually, you know, funded by social enterprises who the, the UK government basically funds them. So by extension, the, your, your tenant is the government. You know, they pay you on time. Mm-hmm. They take care of the property mm-hmm. and they take the properties for long leases as well. So actually, I love that strategy because it's, I'm, I'm so passionate about restoring houses to homes and at the same time, creating win-win situations for, for the tenants, for ourselves as investors as well. And you mentioned about the you know the commercial to residential conversion earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we do do some of these larger projects where we convert you know all dilapidated commercial buildings and we turn them into you know twelve bit uh, self-contained either flats or um, rooms. And we find that actually the, this strategy works really well even in COVID because uh, you know I think people just prefer to have their own toilet, their own bathroom rather than share an accommodation, you know, a shared toilet. So little things like that. However, I think over the years, what we've done is really stick to what is tried and tested rather than trying to go for the next bigger deal or the next exciting, shiny coin. And I think that has really been what, what has helped us, you know, go for something stable, even if it generates 6 to 8% returns. As, as long as we can do that safely and consistently, I think that that's something that is, you know, we always say it's not about get rich quick. Yeah. But how can we provide for our retirement in a safe way?
1: Real assets, one of the most illiquid investments that you can make. But most people, I mean, some people go into it. For the long term, but some are also hoping to make um, a, a gain in a couple of years. I guess when it comes to getting started, a common question is, "How much capital do I really need to get this going?" Daniel, what do you say?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And you know, when it comes to Singapore, for example, um, you know, with some of the recent measures, with with uh, the cooling measures, or you know, the announcements at the budget. The, you just need more and more capital because ABSD is now like at 17% for your second or third property. But, you know, with I think for for most Singaporeans, we still enjoy, we, we think property is a great asset. Uh, and, and a lot of people find themselves getting priced out of the market if they want to buy an investment property. Whereas in the UK, you know what? People pay in ABSD alone. <laughs> I mean, let's say it's a 2 million property in Singapore mm-hmm. and it's 17% ABSD. That's like 300-some K Sing. In, in just stand duty. Whereas in the UK actually you could buy a whole property in cash for that amount and it's a terrace house generating you maybe three to five hundred thing a month of profit. Wow. <laughs> so that's that's a big uh, difference. And in terms of how much you need to get started, um, I would say maybe about fifty to a hundred thousand Singapore dollars. I think really? most people don't realize yeah. Exactly. What can you get with fifty K in the UK? That's a good question. You could get a flat, you could even get a small terrace house uh, that's actually a big shock to me when I, I first started investing in the UK many years ago. That you could buy terrace houses in parts of the UK for you know seventy thousand pounds, eighty thousand pounds, and these are not you know dilapidated mm-hmm. ones. These are still you know you might need a little bit of TLC mm-hmm. you know just to spruce it up. Uh, but you know once again it goes back to our idea of what terrace houses in Singapore are like. You know two or three million at least, but there. It, Cost half the cost of a HDB so it's really a different market and I think it, it, it's a, a small humble buy to let you know with, with 50,000 um, capital but the, the big thing is also be, being able to get access to lending you know maybe 65 to 75 percent loan to value and at the same time even after paying the loan and other, other outgoing expenses it still gives you a profit So I think that was a game changer for me when I found found out about that.
1: Speaking of loans, we know that monetary policy is tightening across the globe and people are wondering about the impact that that might have on their mortgage rates moving forward. How does this impact you as a property investor?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think loans, and especially if you're you're borrowing money to invest in property, that's going to be a, a big part of the outgoing. Right. So for us, what we do is we always, uh, you know, we teach our clients to stress test the deals uh, even before they buy the property. So it's not like, uh, you know, if interest rates go up, then what happens? So making sure that there's enough margin in the deal is the first thing. The second thing is they're actually... Um, some creative strategies to be able to fix your interest rates for a longer time. Um, And that actually gives you peace of mind because, you know, for the next three to five years, you know exactly how much your mortgage is going to be. And at the same time, you know how much cash flow you're still going to get. And actually, interestingly, I think in property, people always think it's about bricks and mortar. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really about people and relationships. So a big part of what we do um, is also then building networks of experts in the UK and helping our clients get access to that. Yes. so for example, a broker that we work with, you know even though interest rates have been going up in the last few months, um, we see that even on the smaller value loans, but on slight, some, some slightly larger loans and when I say larger it's in the uk perspective, maybe 100 K pounds or 150 K pounds. Which could be like a car loan in Singapore, <laughs> but you know they, what, what we're seeing: is interest rates actually are coming down for such uh, you know uh, higher loan quantums because the lenders just want to make it more worth their while for the transaction. So I think it's really a mix of strategies, a mix of getting access to experts on the ground to be able to help you mitigate some of these risks.
1: Uh, speaking of sort of basic questions to investing in the UK, do you have to work with a bank? in the UK to k- take a property loan? And what are the limits? And um, also, can a Singaporean buy any kind of property or are certain classes, you know, in some jurisdictions, you can only buy a property for 20 years or 30 years. So what are the right. limits as to what you can buy? And when it comes to financing, can you help us understand if you have to work with a bank in the UK?
0: Yeah, great. So so first of all, I think there's no restrictions on uh, Singapore is buying any type of properties. It's not about 20 or 30 years. I think you can buy properties that are freehold. Uh, I think most of the properties in the UK are freehold. Otherwise, they could be leasehold, like in Singapore, 99 or 125 on triple nine, which is almost essentially freehold. And I think that's one of the beauties because there's really... Uh, the ease of business is, is a big factor, um, which is why we love investing in the UK. In terms of lending, ah, that's actually a tricky one, Michelle, because when I first got started, there were so many doors closed in my face. Wow. Because if you go to banks in Singapore or even the high street banks in, in the UK, they would tell you, yes, we can lend you, but only in London Zone 1 and 2 or maybe some new-built properties uh, smack in the city centre. but. As we discussed earlier, you know these aren't necessarily giving you the best returns. So, give you an example: if you buy a one or two-bed apartment in Manchester city centre, and then we see quite a number of that in the market right now, it could be maybe two or three hundred thousand pounds. But as I shared earlier, you could buy a terrace house for a hundred thousand pounds in some parts of Manchester too. So, you know, one small apartment could the same amount of money could buy you two or three terrace houses. So, I think it's really then. You know, as, as your question about if you're getting started in the UK, the first thing I would suggest is to get yourself educated, right? Yeah. Know how to research properties mm. and really share with our clients about, you know, never outsource your due diligence. So you, you must be able to tell whether there's a good deal or what we call whether it's a golden goose property where it generates you golden eggs every month to fund your lifestyle.
1: Love the insights. Fabulous speaking with you. You must tell us how the name of the consultancy came about, Daniel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for us, with, I'm actually quite a private person when it comes to money or property investing. Oh. Maybe it's an Asian thing, right? You don't tell people like, oh, I bought this number of properties or this is how much passive income we get. <laughs> <laughs> but it really came about because uh, I, I, quite, quite a few friends of mine, you know, ex-colleagues, some friends from many years back in school, they know of me investing in the UK and they came to me and said that, hey, Dan, you know, we, we also bought properties in the UK or we bought in other areas, you know, nearer to Singapore, but I can't rent it out or I can't sell it. And, and when I looked at the property, I was like, oh gosh, now I understand why. So actually it was one of my mentors who told me that, Hey, then how many more, you know, people do you want to see lose money in property before you're willing to share what you know with them? And that, that really hit me hard. And and that's how, you know, we started this consultancy and the idea of born to die rich is, you know, there's this quote that says, if you are uh, born poor mm-hmm. is not your fault But if you die poor Then it's your fault then, oh. I mean that sounds a little bit harsh But it, I think it, it's a, a big A stark reminder for us that uh, You know, life is really up to, to us to, to control And if, for me, a big motivation for myself Is really not to let money be A source of tension in the household yes. to be, yeah, It's not really to you know, Drive a Lamborghini Or to live in a wealthy mansion But it's really more about providing, you know, sufficient income for for my family. And hence, you know, property is really a safe way to do it. And also leaving a legacy for the next generation. So so I'm really excited when we work with our clients and they buy their own properties, either in their own names or setting up UK companies to do it. Because I know and I see their kids, you know, Mm. even at five years old. And I'm just so glad that this this kid is going to benefit from the the decision that their father or mother is making today. So I think this this idea of Dying Rich is then uh, helping people connect with their goals. Uh, How could they really live their life fully rather than kind of mindlessly climbing the corporate ladder Mm. only to realize 10 or 20 years later that, oh man, I'm still nowhere really near where I wanted to be.
1: Well said, Daniel, and very inspirational. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me.
1: Daniel Sim, founder of Born Poor Die Rich, their property consultancy, helping us understand what investing in the UK from Singapore is all about. Thanks for joining me. This is Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more
0: great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app.